Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats weekly podcast episode number 77. I am your host, Dan Matson, a.k.a. Wooden Boat Dan. If you can't do it, nobody can, although thousands and millions around the globe have tried unsuccessfully. And this is the world's first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, tradition, and romance of wooden vessels all over the world. So when was the last time you went to a fiberglass boat festival? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, (laughs) Fiberglass has its place in the world, I know that, but I love my wooden boats. Anyway, welcome to the podcast today. It's great to have you. This podcast is all about getting in the game. That is the wooden boat game. If you don't already own, use, rent, borrow, build, or work on a wooden boat, it's time you get in the game, folks. There's all kinds of ways to do it. Hook up with some local people, go to a wooden boat festival, buy a wooden boat kit, get some books on wooden boats, build a wooden boat, Just get in with the game. We've got some new subscribers this week to the monthly, almost monthly, e-newsletter. Gundren Heltoft, Keith Monig, and Dwight Belter. Welcome to the newsletter, guys. Appreciate you signing up for that. I did not get out a February newsletter. I apologize for that. Uh, My wife and I moved over this past weekend from our home of 15 years, and we lived in a 2,900-square-foot home, raised our five boys there. And the home had a two-car garage. It had outside storage in addition to the home, plus it had an 1,100-square-foot barn with a loft. And so we were moving until our brains were coming out, I think, moving tons of stuff and we got rid of a ton of stuff also which is really (laughs) mind-boggling we're about 95 percent moved actually and so i have been totally consumed with that and have not gotten around to the newsletter but i will send out one in the month of march so i'm pretty excited about our new home it's got a three-car attached garage and i'm already kind of and planning how my uh, shop's going to look in there. And I'll probably use two bays and partition off the third bay to park our car in, one of our cars, and make it a two-car shop. And actually, I've got another basement area also I can use for shops. I'm pretty excited about that, getting my shop set up and kind of thinking about, okay, what's the most efficient way to do this? Uh, My other shop was so large that I didn't have to be real efficient. I could just kind of have a bunch of stuff in there and it worked. But uh, now that I've got a smaller space, I'm looking forward to actually doing some planning and having some kind of a workflow 
situation, so it kind of makes sense. I'm pretty excited about that. There is no wooden boat hack of the week this week, but hopefully that will. Uh, I'll return to that next week with number 18. Actually, the other thing that's happening this week and next is a scamp camp in Port Townsend, Washington, which is a two-week camp where about seven scamp boats will be partially built, probably about 60 or 70% built. And I'm going to try to head over there next week and spend the day and do some interviews, take some photos, and give you a little scamp update. As I've mentioned before, I plan on starting a scamp this week, but I got to get my shop set up first. I got to finish my canoe, which basically all I've got to do is varnish interior now. And I'll probably do that in the month of April and then hopefully get the scamp kit ordered. So I'm looking forward to that. Today's featured segment is an interview with Captain Daniel Evans. Daniel is uh, one of two captains of the Schooner Adventurous, which we've been talking about here in the last month, done some interviews with Ken Greff, the director of the board, and so on. And uh, Daniel's a really fun guy. We sat in the captain's quarters or stateroom of the Adventurous while she was in dry dock in Port Townsend a few weeks ago, did this interview, had a great time, had some really good laughs. Uh, Daniel's a really fun guy. He loves his job. That's a featured segment today, and actually we're going to move right into that now. Normally I announce the featured segment up front, but I'm not quite as organized today in putting this together because of all the move and everything. I'm going to blame everything on the move, any problems or issues I have anything I forget. <laughs> it's all due to the move. I'm a victim. Just kidding. Okay, well, let's move on to the interview with Captain Daniel. Take it away, Daniel. It is February 15, 2013. I'm sitting with Captain Daniel Evans of The Adventurous. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, uh, thank you very much. Great yeah. to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we just, I met Daniel for the first time today. Uh, I'm in Port Townsend for the day doing some interviews, and Ken Greff from Adventurous said, hey, swing by and take a look at what they're doing on the boat. And so I uh, came by here. Daniel was kind enough to uh, say, yeah, I'll do a, a little interview with you. So uh, where are you from, Daniel, originally? Uh, originally from Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. Yeah, that's where I spent my formative years. Mm -hmm. And I made my way down here because I had relatives in Gig Harbor. I had grandparents in Gig Harbor. They're the ones that got me into sailing like, okay. when I was real small. And then went to school at Evergreen. And uh, that got me kind of hooked on the area. Yeah. So when you were at Evergreen, did you take some boating? They had some woodworking boat, wooden boats type stuff there, right? Yeah. They, yeah. They had a couple boats, um, and I was in a class that utilized those boats, so I sailed on those a little bit. Uh, but I was living on my own boat at the time and doing a lot of personal sailing, mm -hmm. but, and it was it was a great way to go through college. What kind of boat did you have at the time? Oh, I had, uh, it was a little Miller Marine that was used to, it was built out of a yard in Bainbridge Island, a little 28-footer um, that no longer exists. Um, and it was a lovely, it was glass, but a three-quarter keel. Uh, it was a lovely boat, great sailing boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you did quite a bit of sailing when you were young, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 So then, uh, tell me about the process to get your captain's license and how you got involved with Adventurous. Well, um, my license came, you know, I started, I've been sailing uh, a lot, you know, since I was like four years old with my parents and my grandparents, and um, was 
very much into the outdoors, so I did a lot of climbing. And I got into kind of doing sailing professionally through Outward Bound. I ran into some people in California in Joshua Tree. I was climbing. Uh, they told me a new base camp was opening up. Rock that was, climbing? Or? Yeah, it was rock climbing, uh-huh. yeah. And a new base camp was opening up in Anacortes that was all sea-based. And I was still living on my boat at the time. I had it up here. And so I came up here and applied with Outward Bound and became an instructor for them um, running a program in the San Juans and the Southern Gulf Islands just here on longboats. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of my first taste of a professional mariner. And then I, mean, I met some really good mentors at that time. And really, I, I waited to get my license for a while just to develop the skills um, and feel really good about that. But then one of a friend of mine uh, got me on a schooner uh, and I went back east and I started schooner hopping around there. And uh, then it was ed- the balance for me was education and working on the water and in the mountains. So I started working in the mountains for Outward Bound and started doing schooner work elsewhere, um, uh, all geared towards experiential education. And what happened with Adventurous was um, I got to know uh, Catherine Collins, our executive director, and some of the past captains about 10 years ago when I was working as the edu- education director here in Port Townsend at the Wooden Boat Foundation. And um, got to know Catherine, and after I left that position and I was back, I was just kind of schooner hopping, working on a bunch of different schooners. Back east? Or? Yeah, back east. And uh, about... For about three years, Catherine and I would have coffee once a year and just say hi. And I would say, I'm, I'm not looking for work, but just so you know, I'd love to be your captain someday. And so uh, that day came when Catherine gave me a call uh, because both of the captains of Adventurous were uh, you know, female, but they were with child. Their family was growing, and so they were having to step down. And that's when both uh, myself and the other captain, Joshua, stepped in as full-time captains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What year was that? That was in 2010, the beginning of 2010. So I'm coming into my fourth year uh, driving adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what other schooners were you working on back east? Uh, recently it was, I was on the Liberty Clipper <laughs> and in the Bahamas, um, uh, Spirit of Massachusetts, Roseway, the Letty G. Howard here, Sophia Christina. Those are some of the recent ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Adventurous is having her centennial this year, been a hundred year old ship, and yeah. you, we're actually sitting on Adventurous now for those of you that are listening. Uh, she's in for some, uh, well, tell me what she's in for, Dan, and what you guys are doing to her this year. Well, okay. You mean what, this winter or what we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, this is kind of the, um, the fourth um, phase of our centennial restoration. And we're, we're reframing and replanking, and we have reframed and replanked the entire port side. Um, we will finish with our centennial restoration this coming winter when we replank and reframe the other side. But it's uh, the largest scope of work that we have done on Adventurous in, in known history. It's an incredible amount of work, and we have a very large crew, volunteer crew, that came on for the winter to help support that. So in addition to um, what the shipwrights are engaged in, in the reframing and replanking, we're rebuilding part of our main cabin. Uh, We're refreshing a bunch of our systems that we had access to with all of the frames off and uh, all the planks off. And then we're we're doing a a pretty aggressive um, maintenance schedule on uh, most of our woodwork. And so there's a we've been doing a ton of painting, a ton of bright work. 
The one surprise that came up, but that we were able to really accommodate well, was that we needed to build a new main mast. And that's gone really well too. That was not something we had planned, but we're very happy that we're going forward with it. And the, the wood we found, the stick we found is just gorgeous. Uh, everyone's really happy with it. Yeah, how'd you find that stick? Well, I, it was it started with me a lot of calling around. I, uh, I called um, Tim Mayer from Zodiac, who had to do some shopping for a mast a couple of years ago. Um, I called down to Grays Harbor because I know they turn down there, they turn big wood down there, and I started calling pole yards for, um, and just I had, you know, specifications that I was looking for, and uh, started calling these pole yards to try and find good wood. And there were a lot of good options coming up, but in the end, um, I went with uh, a, a spar builder here in town that was able to uh, find and source uh, a bit of wood and... Uh, bought it from him and okay. yeah with a real reasonable price and then contracted with Haven Boatworks to have Kid Africa turn it or aside it yeah yeah so it's a stick of Doug fir that's correct so your spec of specifications that include things like rings per inch that's right yeah like we that. had a range for rings per inch um, how long on the ground or uh, a little yeah a little bit how long on the ground how she looked um, whether she was barked or debarked uh, and then also a real key is the heartwood it was really important that we found a stick with um, the heart really at the center in both both ends mm. and uh, not a lot of waving around because you want to keep that heartwood in that center as best as possible and it's you look at our old one and you can see that it, because when they when they got the old one it was a kind of an emergency buy so they picked that as fast as they could but you can see that the heartwood wanders but this one it's really beautifully true Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what size is that mast? It's 76 feet. It started out as 80 feet. We got it delivered 80 feet 76. Long. And what's the diameter? The largest is 14 and a quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it tapers down to about, I think it's 9 and 7 eighths at the top. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's a big stick. So do, uh, for masts that size, do people ever build them hollow? Yeah, With yeah, yeah. Bird's mouth or rectangular or box mass? Do they do that or? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just curious. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. But this absolutely. is more traditional, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, more, much more traditional. When this boat was built, they weren't doing hollow mast, or were they? No, 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 they weren't. Not, not to my reckoning. 1913. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. So you've been on adventures for about three years now. Mm-hmm. So what's really special about this boat to you? I mean, what? Uh, why do you do this? Well, two, th two things. I think. Um, make this boat stand apart from any other boat that I've run on. Um, one is it's, it sails really well, so it's actually a pleasure to sail. There's a lot of schooners out there that are pretty much slugs in the water, you know. They just really? kind of, yeah, they just kind of dump along at five, six knots, don't uh, point into the wind very well, and they, uh, their motion is not as nice as you'd want it to be. I mean, you can just feel that they're kind of just not well built for it. But this was um, uh, my favorite. My favorite traditional boats, of course, are Gloucester fishing schooners because they're they were built um, in a combination of, uh, of both speed and hardiness. Hmm. And so um, this um, ha takes some of that styling of a fishing schooner, but it was it was built as an Arctic explorer. Um, but it was also built to have some really nice lines to it. Uh, he wanted a boat that looked good and went fast. John Borden did. Uh, and so this design by Crown and Shield, you know, met those uh, requirements. And so she sails, she sails well. Now that's one of the elements. But I'd say for me, the bigger element of why I am still here is that the community is phenomenal. Uh, I first came on and um, I was, I think, 
I was humbled by the lack of, a, of ego, and I was uh, impressed by the level of unity of the crew and of the office staff. And it, can, it continues that way. I think I've, um, it has been so instructional to me as a, just as a human um, on how to live. It's really incredible. When you compare it to other boats, it's just night and day. It's just night and day. Really? Yeah, it's, it's funny. The, the communities and other boats are... They're not necessary. They're not intentional. Like this is an intentional community. We work pretty hard to have the level of support, um, compassion, safety, fun that we do. And other boats are a little more cobbled together. You know, they just get what they get. They look at the skill sets of the crew. They bring those on, depending on what the boat does, and then they go. And there's not a lot of communication around uh, just the well-being of the community that's on board. But with that here, it's it's um, it's just a different. It's a it's a much more satisfying feeling, and uh, the people that come are in just incredible folk, uh, very uh, very willing to be part of a community. They're very musical. Uh, they're uh, really willing to work hard um, and enjoy being here, at a level that I don't see on a lot of other vessels. And so it's just it's just a joy to be around these crews and to be on the board. How many crew members do you have at any given time? We, we run with a complement of about 15, but usually a couple are off every given day. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing our programs, we'll run between 11 and 13. Mm-hmm. And we have the crew complement is essentially myself. There's a chief mate and a second mate. Uh, we have a full-time galley coordinator and a full-time program coordinator and an engineer. The rest of the folks we call educator deckhands, and they are doing the like on-the-ground teaching with the students in different watch groups. Though at different times, any one of us may teach, uh, but they regularly, daily are teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are some of, are all of these volunteers? or It's a mix. Um, mix. Yeah, it's a mix. We People typically come on new as an educator deckhand. We're uh, our volunteers. Uh, we, we try and support returning crew by creating paid positions in that educator deckhand role. And then the um, other, su- what I call the support crew to the, to the education, which is myself, the chief mate, <coughs> uh, second mate, engineer, and galley coordinator are paid positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I know you take a lot of kids and youth on the boat, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So what, if I'm a you know, seventh grader at some junior high and I, I get to spend a few days on the adventurous, what kind of stuff would I learn? What would I take away from that? <coughs> Um, our overnight, so that would be an overnight program. Okay. And there's, um, there's a, we do a lot with our overnight programs. They're, they're absolutely fun. But uh, the skeleton. The reason I'm asking is I never got to do this when I was in seventh grade. It's like I really feel bad about this. So I want to know what I missed. missed. I yeah, I know, right? No, I didn't either. I think that's why I'm here, oh, really? trying to reclaim I'm some nice. of that lost youth. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Okay. Absolutely. It's uh, we. Uh, uh, the skeleton of it is that we do a lot of uh, curriculum around marine biology and marine conservation. So on overnight programs, we will get out in tide pool. Um, we do a lot of sailing, so there's a lot of sail training. So you learn in navigation, some sail theory. And we always try and have some time during the trip that we let people get out in our small boat. We have a small sailing boat. We get out and do a little sailing and rowing, go aloft so they go up to the, can go up to the cross trees. Uh, that's, so that's going up the mast? Yeah, up the, up the shrouds, yeah, yeah. Up, oh. up to that, you okay. know, almost to that 76-foot range that we're talking about. Really? Yeah, so they can climb up there. They're clipped in and everything, yeah, of course, right. but it's but still, fantastic experience. Yeah. And the boat looks really cool from up there. Oh, it looks yeah. really cool, yeah. yeah. And, um, and 
and that's you know essentially it. So we're teaching a, a lot of that. There's sometimes some uh, we might teach uh, mechanical advantage and, and talk about that. And it depends if you're with a school group. There may be some outcomes that the teacher wants that you know we'll meet. Uh, but otherwise, in the overnight programs, we really just we like we go out and romp around. Like if the wind is good, we go sailing. Not so good, we may go aloft uh, or do a beach hike or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you, I'm just curious if some of the kids that have been on the boat, if you've seen them over the years and how that's impacted their lives in the future? Oh, or if you know oh, stories oh, about that type of thing? Oh, do I? Oh, do I? Really? Yeah, this is uh, the greatest example is the chief mate, the winter chief mate right now, started out as a participant on board many, many years ago. And that happens more frequently than you would imagine. There's... Um, uh, I have one crew member coming back this season that started out as a student when they were seven. Um, I had one uh, last year that the same thing happened to. Because we have this thing, we have an apprenticeship program as well. So people who start out as uh, participants and get really excited about it, we offer them the opportunity to come back for a week, uh, like a week-long program or maybe a two-week-long as apprentices. And so that's a more focused, instead of them being involved in learning the, the programming, they're involved in learning the background of that. They're helping support it. And so people can come and they'll apprentice for a couple of years until they're old enough to be crew and then they'll apply and come on as crew. It's really cool. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And, and the cool thing too is in the summer when we do our overnights, we don't just do uh, students. Uh, we have open enrollment and we do some road scholar, which is um, the elder hostels. And my favorite one is we do what's a, a, an intergenerational one where grandparents will bring their grandchildren. And it is fantastic. Really? Yeah, it's really cool because it's these people that want to have authentic experiences with their grandchildren, with their family. We do family sales too. Mm-hmm. And, and those are my favorite because it's just it's people there that are just wanting to enjoy life to the fullest and build strong relationships. And I find it always brings an amazing quality of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Wow, I'm a little jealous that you get to do all this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so let's see. I've got to spend uh, one year at sea out of five years to get my captain's license. One that's year, yeah. It. yeah. That's, that's sea time, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the, the small part that's of it. That's the small, small part of it, yeah. <laughs> Pass some huge, huge test and have a lot of experience. and Yeah, a lot of tests. And nowadays, you know, you need to get the certain credentials under your STCW. Starts out with your basic safety training and goes up from there. Um you know, it's and it's almost to the point now to get into this commercially. Um, you can't do it by coming up through the Haws, um, and that. What does that mean? The coming up through the Haws means that. Well, okay. So back in uh, lovely England, um, when that great navy existed, um, there was also a lot of poverty and there was a lot of homelessness, and children would find themselves at times uh, coming out. Uh, swimming out into the harbors where these boats lay at anchor and climbing up the chain, the anchor chain, into the boat to become stowaways. Well, where that chain goes through is called the hawse pipe. Oh. So they would come in through the hawse, they would stow away, and these boats would go for a couple years uh, out to sea, right? Uh, Especially, you know, boats of exploration. So what do you do with a small child? They may start as as a steward, but they would work up. Hopefully, you know, with the real bright ones, they'd end up taking the test to become an officer. And so that was called coming through the Haas rather than going through a formal schooling. Interesting. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm uh, essentially I've come through the Haas, uh, but it's getting harder and harder to do that. And I've had to back up a little bit and get a lot of credentialing that just supports what I do on this ship or other ships to make sure I stay current. But um, more and more going to the schools is the way to go 
to, to do it. And when you go to the school, you get your sea time, plus you get all the training that you might need for whatever career you're looking for on the water. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but for me, I was just playing. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so is it like flying an airplane, airplane you keep time of your, of your uh, you keep track of your sea time? That's correct. As yeah. a captain? Yeah, I keep track of my sea time yeah. and use that for upgrades to my license or keeping it current. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that it can do for you, but if you're, um, the basic safety training that I mentioned a little while ago, you have to refresh that every five years depending on if you have, uh, whether you have sea time or not, that you can waive that, and you know that uh, it can be expensive uh, every five year, expensive hit to get that training, and so sea yeah. time aids in, in in keeping some of your credentials current as well. Mm-hmm. And you know when I got when I got my license, um, everything was not centralized like it is now. All the offices are centralized back east in Virginia, and you and these are like kind of satellites that will you can take your test, but all your paperwork goes back to Virginia. When I got my license, like a lot of people, it was different and everything was not centralized. So really, the personality of the office you went to could really help you or hinder you. Mm. And among all of us, all the sailors, we kind of knew the good ones and the bad ones. Oh, interesting. And so even I most, most, mostly at a time when I was operating out in the West Coast, I would go, I would fly all the way to Boston and deal with the Boston office instead of the Seattle office. This is the Coast Guard. Right? Coast Guard, yeah. yeah. Because they were ex- insanely helpful over there. And Seattle, not so helpful. <laughs> and it was worth it to me to fly over there and uh, work with them. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. You can't do that now, though. Eh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So yeah. you have a seven-month-old boy or girl? It's a girl. Girl. What's her name? Her name is Melosian. Melosian. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. congratulations. That's pretty cool. Really excited. Yeah, and my wife, Marilee, um, they're just now minutes away since we've moved here. Yeah. And it makes it really exciting. And you met your wife on Adventurous, too. Yeah. Tell me the short version of that. Well, yeah, it was um, uh, my first year, and we had a galley coordinator that, um, on the first day of hire, was too scared. It was too overwhelming to him, and he left in the middle of the night. Um, And then another crew member that was on board remembered there was this woman that was a really good galley coordinator in the past, and maybe she could help us out because we needed someone to do that job and so my wife came on and i uh, i met her uh through that and uh, it was we just hit it off and really good f- as really good friends uh and really enjoyed each other and then she left uh the boat in in july but we continued that friendship and it turned into a lovely wedding just uh, a year and a few days ago and a lovely child congratulations yeah i couldn't be happier very cool yeah and it's neat that you guys share the adventurous together I mean that's pretty cool. It's a great story. Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing how much it's interweaved in our lives. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Daniel, for those listening, give me give us your best pitch for why people should get involved with something with either the adventurous or something similar. What what are the benefits there? To- well, okay. The I would say um, for me, it's all about relationships, and I feel like one of the things adventurous does really well is it creates relationships between people and. Uh, our outdoors and the Puget Sound. Uh, part of part of our mission is to raise awareness as to the condition of the sound, and we do a lot of monitoring and work with people uh, as we monitor the sound. But I I believe people create a care for something when they develop an own personal relationship with them, and this is such an incredible platform for that. Now I would say get on any boat and get out in the water and see if you live in Seattle or Tacoma or, or uh, anywhere and near the water and you are not intimate with the water, you're missing out on an element 
of uh, beauty um, and uh, something so incredibly different than being on land. And developing that relationship with your surroundings in general, I think, is a, is a good way to live and to know your place. And so I would encourage that in everyone. Okay. Yeah. And if they want to get involved with Adventurous specifically, how, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is to go to our website, which is soundexp.org. Or you could just Google Schooner Adventurous and it would come up. But we have a lot of different opportunities, everything from volunteering uh, to get out on the boat to a lot of programs and open enrollment where you can just sign up for a program and come sailing with us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, tremendous. And there's opportunities to just go out on the boat for a three-hour sail type of thing if you just if you don't have a lot of time. Yeah, there's a great opportunities at that. Yeah, we do. There, yeah, we do them in every city. Um, a few of them in each city. And the great thing about it is we have a. You can become a member, and by becoming a member, then all of those sails become free. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think I I don't know exactly the numbers, but I think that means that if you go on two of the public sails, you've already saved money. Okay. Just, and the membership lasts for one year. And I think it's sixty dollars for membership. I believe it is. is right? yeah. yeah, sixty dollars for membership. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great deal. It means that you can follow us around the sound anytime there's a public sail. You can hop on for free and go sailing for three hours. On a boat that one you don't have to maintain, you don't have to worry about um, driving it uh, or paying for its cost when it's not sailing. <laughs> yeah. You just get on and get off. Get and on and home. get off. <laughs> one of the most beautiful boats in Puget Sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today, Daniel. Anything you'd like to add? No, I'd like you. I just like to thank you very much for uh, doing this. It's the adventures is a tremendous story, and I always look towards ways of getting the story out. Because uh, even for the three years that I've been here, I find uh, a new story almost every month, if not more frequently. There's so many people who have been connected with this ship in the over 50 years that it's been in the sound uh, that it's just been in a lot of people's hearts. And so I appreciate you helping get the word out, continuing that story. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If we had more time, we'll, we'll hook up another time for some of those stories. That yep. would be oh, yeah. fun conversation. There's some great ones. There really? are some great, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got me really curious. <laughs> no, no, that'll be the teaser for the next one. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Daniel. All right. Thank you okay. very much. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel, for doing that interview. It was great to meet with you at the Adventurous and sit in the captain's quarters and laugh and have a great time and learn more about what you're up to. So appreciate it. I hope to see you around the Puget Sound area. If you'd like to support Hooked on Wooden Boats, go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash Amazon. And you guessed it, that will take you to Amazon's website. If you make a purchase there of any item, I get paid a small commission. Or you can go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash JD. Stands for Jamestown Distributors. That takes you to their website where you can buy marine and boat building supplies at pretty good discounts, fast shipping, Good service. I've ordered there myself, so check it out. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would go to the iTunes store and go to Hooked on Wooden Boats under the podcast section and leave me a five-star review. That would be awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure and get in the game, the wooden boat game, that is. Have a great week. Wooden Boat Dan over and out. And don't forget to keep the bright side up and the barnacled side down. We'll chat again next week.